It finished at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal nil, Leicester City won. That's one of the most frustrating defeats that we've experienced, I think, as Arsenal fans in a long, long time. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna for the post-match reaction following the defeat against Leicester City at the Emirates Stadium. It's just finished. It's uh, ended Arsenal nil, Leicester City won. And what a frustrating night. What a really, really frustrating night. And obviously, you guys that have been following this channel for a while, that have been listening to this podcast for a while, will know that I don't do much sort of post-match stuff in terms of doing it immediately after the final whistle that's obviously changed with the fact that we're not able to get into grounds now and so I'm not traveling back from the Emirates Stadium and so we have more time to do these and uh, on the one hand I like the fact that we can do this but on the other hand I don't because you know often you can overreact at the final whistle often you can be so angry and emotional that you're views can run away and they can be a little bit sort of over the top whether that be positive or negative and that's why I usually like to leave it but I thought we'd jump on live for this one um, a big hello to everybody who's joining us in the live chat at the moment and a big hello to everybody who's going to be listening to this back via the audio platforms in the morning um, let's begin by talking about Mikel Arteta's team selection this evening I think every single one of us, when we signed Thomas Partey, expected Arsenal to switch to the back four, um, knowing that Partey would give us that extra bit of stability in the middle of the park. And many of us hoped that making that change in formation would then give us that ability to be a little bit more expansive moving forward, to be a little bit more uh, creative, to give some of those midfielders that extra bit of license to join in with the attacks, get further up the field and I think when the team came out this evening when we all saw the starting 11 all of us hoped that we'd finally got to a place where Mikel Arteta was ready and willing to play with a back four a midfield trio and then a front trio but that wasn't the case it wasn't the case it become really evident early on in this game that actually Mikel Arteta's idea for, for Granite Xhaka was to have him as this kind of hybrid between a left centre-back and a defensive midfielder, depending on the state of the game. And I'd, I'd spoken about this on previous shows. I've spoken about it time and time again, that that's what I expected to happen. But I expected it to be more fluid. One of the, the good things we've seen about Mikel Arteta's side since he's taken over the reins at the Emirates Stadium is that they have been flexible in-game, that they have changed uh, shape depending on what's going on and that's allowed us to get the maximum out of what we have on the pitch but today I didn't see that I pretty much saw Granit Xhaka play like a left-sided centre-back for the entirety of the game now I know Leicester went with a back five essentially parked the bus and that's not really what I expected from Brendan Rodgers but when you look at how Arsenal have been struggling to create of late when you look at the the shortcomings in Arsenal's game why wouldn't you do what Brendan Rodgers did this evening? And that is park the bus, stay in the game, keep things tight, knowing knowing that you had somebody like Jamie Vardy you could call upon who offers such great threat on the counter-attacks. And, you know, looking at Arsenal's back line, obviously we lost David Lewis. We'll come on to talk about that in a little bit. But when you look at Arsenal's back line, I know Vardy came down the other side, but when you play that ball... Uh, into Cenk in behind Granit Xhaka. You know he hasn't got the pace to turn around and recover. Uh, and so, for me, just it was like it was just such an obvious game plan from Leicester 
that it makes it more frustrating when we just fall right into that trap. When you watch Arsenal fall into a trap the way they did, you know, it, it's like when you're watching a fly buzzing around and you can see the spider web and you just know he's going to go and land in it. You know, we were talking on a couple of WhatsApp groups um, during the game and the minute sort of Arsenal missed a couple of chances in the first half, the minute Lacazette missed that chance, in fact, a couple of the lads were saying it. Jamie Vardy's going to come on and Leicester are going to win this game 1-0. Going back to the team selection, I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here now, now that it's all gone horribly wrong and say Mikel Arteta got the team selection wrong. I think in terms of personnel, I think it's what all of us, pretty much all of us, most of us, you know, maybe there was a bit of a debate that some of you wanted to see Pepe start. But I think most of us would have probably gone with that 11. It's just the way in which they were deployed that didn't really make sense. You know, sometimes you've got to be bold and sometimes you've got to look at what your opponent is doing. And it was very clear within five, seven minutes what Leicester City had come here to do. So why not push Xhaka? into the midfield and release Thomas Partey a little bit more and release Danny Ceballos a little bit more. Why not do that? It was almost as though we were scared to take that little bit of a risk. And, and this is the problem with the way we've become under Mikel Arteta. Now, again, I don't want this to seem like I'm sitting here going, I want Mikel Arteta out, he's no good, blah, 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 because that's not the case. But you have to ask questions on a night like this. And you have to ask questions. Why the reluctance to take any sort of risk? You're at home. The onus is on you. You know, Leicester were always going to come there and defend. And we can't sit here and criticise the way Leicester went into this game. The way Leicester went about it. Because ultimately, that is how we've been getting results in some of the games against the so-called bigger sides, we've done exactly that. We've gone to places, we've sat deep, we've played with a back five. And so Leicester did the same thing. But at some point, being the home side, and, and you know, this is the, the kind of thing that comes with being a big club. It means the onus is on you at times to take that risk. Now, you take the risk. If it doesn't work and you get to the last 10, maybe even 15 minutes and you just... Get that feeling and you suss out that it's not going to be your night. You don't take your foot off the gas, but you kind of slowly wind the game down. You keep trying, you keep pressing, you keep trying to make something happen, but you understand that it is that kind of night. And so what you do is at the very least, you defend properly. And Arsenal were completely torn apart for that Leicester City goal, which makes it so, so frustrating. So frustrating. Let's go through some of the individual performances. And then we'll come on to talk about some of the incidents in the game as well. Because there are a couple of things I want to touch on. We start with, with Bern Leno in goal. Um, you know, it didn't have a great deal to do tonight, Bern Leno. That's the reality. That's the truth. Because Leicester didn't offer anything until that final sort of push where Jamie Vardy and Cengiz Under come on the pitch. They managed to get him behind. It was literally that plus one other opportunity that Jamie Vardy had where Bern Leno made a save with his head. I don't think he knew a great deal about. You know, Leno didn't start the game in the best way. Obviously coming out, poor piece of distribution again. Really bad clearance, whatever you want to call it. Almost getting chipped by uh, James Madison. So it wasn't a, a great start from Berlin, but I can't sit here and say he had a terrible game. That would be unfair. Hector Bellerin, I thought, offered at times a threat going forward. And I, I don't think by any means he was the worst Arsenal player on the pitch. I thought he was very, very fortunate actually to stay on the pitch, having made that sliding challenge in the second half, being already on a yellow card. Now, some people will say that the the Leicester man jumped over him and that the contact wasn't there. But why would you launch yourself into a slide tackle from that distance? Take that risk when you know you're on a yellow card. It was just an absolute moment of madness from the Spaniard. Unfortunately for Arsenal, we got away with it. On the left-hand side, Kieran Tierney, I thought, got forward to good effect. I thought Kieran Tierney 
created the best chance of the game for Arsenal. It was a wonderful ball out to the left uh, from David Lewis, and that was a common theme of the first half. David Lewis stepping forward, playing those long diagonal passes out to the flank and picking out Tierney, who was causing Leicester problems. Put a wonderful delivery into the middle of the goal, and Alex Lacazette, who I'm going to come on to talk about in a bit, just he, he didn't even make contact. He, he hardly made contact with it. And you, you sit here and you scratch your head and you wonder how a centre-forward playing for Arsenal can can miss that. You know, that's not the only reason we lost the game. And we'll, we'll come on to talk about more things. But I was left frustrated by that. David Lewis, I thought, was really, really good until he had to go off. Looked like he had some sort of thigh problem. Went off replaced by Shkodran Mustafi. Gabriel, I thought, was good for the most part. Decent performance overall, apart from one horrible pass he made um, that really put us into some trouble. I thought that Xhaka was okay up until the goal. I thought he, he did well to always make himself available. I guess that's not that difficult when you are that spare man and you keep dropping into that space. But again, we saw the major flaw in Granite Xhaka, which is not from a technical standpoint, purely from the fact that Granite Xhaka, in terms of his physical attributes and his pace, and it will lack of, that's always going to be a problem for Granite Xhaka, particularly when he's playing in a position like the one Mikel Arteta had him playing in tonight, where he was very, very exposed. There was a huge danger of that happening, of Leicester playing balls over his shoulder, over the top of him, in behind him, asking him to turn back and run towards his own goal. We know that that doesn't suit Granit Xhaka. We know that Granit Xhaka is in trouble in those situations. Leicester knew that too, and Leicester exposed it. And that's the side the goal came from. Moving into the midfield... I thought Danny Ceballos had the worst game he's had in an Arsenal shirt for a while. And I always say this about Danny Ceballos. Blows hot and cold. Well, tonight he was blowing very much cold. I thought he was terrible. I thought his passing was poor. I thought he was, um, you know, often not getting back, not picking up runners, not covering spaces. I thought it was a really, really poor performance from Danny Ceballos overall. Thomas Partey was extremely quiet, not involved anywhere near as much as you'd have liked him to be. But again, that was a consequence of the way Brendan Rodgers set his side up. They were very deliberate in preventing Thomas Partey controlling the midfield, in preventing Thomas Partey releasing, uh, you know, sorry, receiving balls, turning, picking out passes. Leicester were, were very deliberate in doing that. And Arsenal couldn't find a way to get him in the game. And as a, again, I go back to what I was saying at the very, very top. If we take that little bit of a risk, if Arsenal try and take the game by the scruff of the neck, if Arsenal push Granit Xhaka into that midfield alongside Danny Sabales, alongside Thomas Partey, all of a sudden you've got an even contest in there. And Arsenal could potentially win that contest, potentially start dictating the play. And for me, it just looked as though Again, we were overcomplicating matters. You know, having Xhaka trying to play in this hybrid position, having Ceballos moving out to the right-hand side all the time, it just felt like we were overcomplicating it. And actually, we forgot about the battle in the most important part of the pitch for me, which is in the centre of midfield. We just completely forgot about it. And we let Leicester win that. It was so obvious that we were trying to create down the flanks, but there was never any variation in our game. There was never any you know, thought to change it up. Let's get some bodies in the middle of the park. Let's push the traffic through there. Let's attract the Leicester players in there. And then we can in turn create spaces, but it was, uh, sorry, spaces on the flanks, but it was very much a case of Arsenal desperately trying to go down the flanks and kind of ignoring the game in the middle of the park. And I, I thought that was wrong. I thought Leicester's midfielders had a really, really easy ride this evening. Moving on to the forwards, I thought Bukayo Saka had a couple of decent moments. Um, but again, you know, we're relying on this young kid to keep pulling things out the bag. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen every single week with Bukayo Saka. 
You know, we've got to understand that. Look where he is in his career. He's still at the very, very early stages. The fact that a club the size of Arsenal is so reliant upon him sometimes just drives me mad. I thought Aubameyang was, was dreadful. He was woeful. But, you know, can I excuse him a little bit? I don't know because, you know, we, we could clearly see that he went over to the sidelines at some point and took some kind of tablet, um, which would suggest to me that maybe he was feeling under the weather but asked to play anyway. Um, maybe he wasn't 100%. But even still, when you're chasing goals, when you're trying to break teams down, and I know I've spoken about it in the past, about the fact that I think Aubameyang can be useful from the left flank, etc. You know, there are times in a game where you, you just got to go back to basics. You just got to keep it simple and say, I want my centre forward, my world-class centre forward, arguably the only world-class player in my squad, I want him playing through the middle. like, And it, it just doesn't seem to happen. There never seems to be any sign of changing that. And it just, it, it drives me mad. It, it drives me mad because, yes, at times I think it's, it's, it's worked him playing from the left and drifting in late and making runs in behind when we've managed to get into situations where we've sucked opponents onto us. But Leicester were never going to do that tonight. Leicester made their intentions clear from the off. And Aubameyang was, was just wasted. Alex Lacazette touched upon him a little bit already. Missed a golden, golden opportunity. Really good opportunity. I thought he was dreadful in every other aspect of his game. But let's not forget, and we should be discussing this because it is a key, a key point. I don't understand why Arsenal's goal was chalked off. I really don't. Now, I know that there's the law where, you know, we talk about the fact that players are interfering. How has Granite Xhaka interfered there when the ball has already gone past Kasper Schmeichel, is already going into the goal and Granite Xhaka's just jumped over it? It You know, I, I, I sat there and I watched it over and over and over and over again to try and understand how Granite Xhaka's influence there has impeded the goalkeeper, how it's put somebody off, how it's made a difference to where the ball has ended up. It hasn't for me. Now, when I look at it really closely and I try to take my Arsenal hat off and be as, you know, as open-minded as possible, I could maybe say that Kasper Schmeichel's initial position, his starting position, would have been different had Granit Xhaka not been there because he was standing in front of him at the time the corner was taken. But once that header, once the movement happens, once everybody sort of jostles for position and Lacazette gets across the front post, Kasper Schmeichel steps to his right anyway. And then Granit Xhaka's not in his view anymore. The ball's gone past Schmeichel and it's gone into that, that far corner. Yet, for some reason, the officials have decided to chalk it off. I, you know, that, that is frustrating because that goes in. Um, it's a very different game. All of a sudden, Leicester have to come out. Leicester City have to come and play you. Leicester have to come and attack you. And I think that would have suited us more. Being in a position where we could break on the counter-attack. Being in a position where we could expose the spaces that they left in behind. Seeing them potentially maybe changing from that back five. Going a little bit more ambitious. Going a little bit more adventurous. But that wasn't to be the case because the goal was chalked off. But aside from that, you know, I've seen some people saying that, um, you know, we, we showed signs of what we can do in this formation in the first half. I thought we created a couple of opportunities, but it still wasn't great. It still wasn't something that I look at and I say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't get the goal, but, you know, it worked. I, I get it. I see where we're going with this. For me, at no point was I ever convinced tonight by the way that we were playing in terms of our setup I keep talking about that midfield because I think that's so so important I don't think you can control a game I don't think you can open teams up when you don't have the ball in the middle of the park ever that's not to say that you can never open teams up you know we've seen Arsenal expose teams on the flanks under Mikel Arteta yes sometimes that works but people have cottoned on to that now you can't do the same thing every single week and expect top elite Premier League level managers not to 
clock on. You know, they've had the whole week to study the way Arsenal played, the way Arsenal have been exposing teams. Brendan Rodgers came there with a blueprint, the same blueprint that Leicester City used at Manchester City, where they won emphatically. We should have been wiser to that. We should have had some kind of plan to 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 counter that. We are desperately, desperately, desperately lacking creativity. And I don't care what anybody says. And I know I'm going to get stick for this. And, and maybe I'm saying it because I'm upset, because I'm angry, because I'm disappointed. And because I'm doing this right after the full-time whistle. But our most creative player is sitting at home on Twitter, mocking the club. Because the club don't think he's good enough. What did you see on the pitch from Arsenal today that suggests that we're a better side without Mesut Ozil than we are with him? Absolutely nothing is the answer to that. Absolutely nothing. Put aside the problems with the system. Do we have a midfield player with the eye for a pass that Mesut Ozil has? With the ability to perfectly wait a pass and play someone in behind? Or even... a you know, something as simple as as a, a five-yard reverse pass that just completely throws off the defence. The kind of thing that we've seen Mesut Ozil do for years and years and years. We don't have that in the side at the moment. We just don't have it. Now, whether you think Ozil is the solution in the longer term is a completely different argument. And I accept that he's probably not. But the longer this goes on, in terms of Arsenal lacking that creative spark, and the longer you know, we continue to, to leave him out for, then the more pressure Mikel Arteta piles onto himself. And I don't want to see Mikel Arteta under pressure because I do like him. I do think that he is a, an exciting young coach. I love his character. I love everything about him. But there will be questions if this continues because you're always looking for a manager to keep showing progress. You're always looking for a team when they're developing to keep moving. And when he come in, he tightened up the defence to a degree. Towards the back end of last season and at the start of this season, you could say that the defence has been much improved, which is great. But you fixed one leak. Now you need to solve the other bit. You know, it's like having a watering can that's leaking. You fix the leak, but when you go to try and pour water out, you've blocked the spout. It's not going to come out. Like, you, 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 you can't... Just fix one end and leave the other end and think that it's going to be fine. No, you, you have to keep moving. You sussed one problem out. Now you've got to deal with the next one. And I haven't seen that progress in terms of the attacking play. I'm still not understanding what the longer term view is on this. We know we wanted Hussein Mawar in the summer. But Hussein Mawar, you know, yes, creative from a kind of deeper position. But he's no, by no means a number 10. But then I say to myself, do we need the number 10? Because Mikel Arteta clearly doesn't want to play with one. Does he not want to play with one? Or does he not play with one because he doesn't think he has one? That would be two different things. And I, I, I can't quite work out which one it is at the moment. Let's have a look at um, some of you guys' comments in the live chat as well. Don't forget, if you haven't already... Um, smash the like button on the video. That is so, so important. Uh, so please, please do that for us. And if you're new to the channel, please subscribe and help us push towards that 10K goal. think we're around about 120 away uh, from hitting that. So if you haven't already, please do so. Let me know your thoughts in the comments as well. I'm going to be going through those now. Um, Xander AFC says, Arteta has neutered our attack. It's like he is paralyzed by the fear of losing. I think that's well put. I think you're right. I think the obsession with not losing, with not conceding goals, I think is something that Arsenal have lacked for years and years. And so when you see it come about, then you're you're thinking, great, you know, we've we've completely shifted mentality. But you also need to be able to go the other way as well. You also need to be able to be effective when trying to break teams down, inventive, creative. And we're none of those things at the moment. And that is the big worry, isn't it? Topher says, predictable, boring, non-expansive, static, tired, and no intent. Louis Robson says, the minute Vardy came on, they'd win. And it very much felt like that, didn't it? It very much felt like that kind of game where 
you knew you'd seen this story before you knew what the ending was going to be and that to a degree does make it a lot more frustrating i, I agree I, I think that when vardy came on you knew that leicester were going to i'm not going to say change their approach because in terms of keeping men behind the ball that stayed the same but the minute he came on you you saw the likes of madison just their eyes lit up you know he knew that at any opportunity when he received the ball he'd always check and see where vardy was and play that pass immediately in behind whether down the right channel down the left channel he'd always glance up and look where vardy was same with telemans and leicester city let's be honest they've got the quality of player to do that they've got the quality of player to provide jamie vardy with a service and they did and Jenki Zunda was involved as well. And they completely split open our defence. And once Zunda got in behind, you could see it. You could see the picture developing. Ball across the penalty area. There was uh, Jamie Vardy to kind of stoop and just head the ball into the back of the net. Nimsy Lot says, dead players, dead manager, dead owner, dead club. Simple as that. Good night. <laughs> um, Amesy says, we actually created opportunities in the first half. I mean, we created a couple, but, you know, were they, how many of them can you say, hand on your heart, that we should have scored? I could say one, the Lacazette one. Other than that, they were kind of half chances for me. You know, am I missing something? Was there, you know, Arsenal had attempts at goal. That's for sure. We definitely had attempts. More attempts than we've had in some of the recent games. But even still, did we did we really look like scoring? Did we really look like we had Leicester up, at the, up against the ropes at any time? It was kind of that slow, uh, you know, those attacks, a lot, plenty of corners. You know, we only had four shots on target of the 12 that we had in the whole game. It's only two more than Leicester managed in terms of shots on target. And Leicester won the game. So yeah, I think we did create some opportunities. 12 attempts at goal overall. But only four of them were on target. That's one in three. So you're talking about a lot of speculative efforts. You're talking about the kind of headers, um, you know, that we often see from Lacazette and Aubameyang, where they're kind of like back across the goal, up in the air, not really made contact. And if they have made contact, they're certainly not troubling the goalkeeper. Mad JZO says, a lot of these lads are playing too nonchalant. How's Laka not heading that ball in? You can't have served it any better. Agreed. And I've seen some Arsenal fans moaning about Fuchs's high foot when he's trying to put him off. And I'm like, I know we're, we're in an age of VAR and everybody's become a little bit OTT. But come on, guys. Look at our centre forward first and foremost. He's not taken the chance. He's not done the business when it really, really mattered. And people will point to Lacazette's goal record this season and say, actually, it's not that bad by his standards. And it's not. But big strikers, they take opportunities in big moments. And that was a big moment in this game. Because as I've already explained, Alexander Lacazette puts that ball in the back of the net from six yards out. And all of a sudden, Leicester's game plan that they've been working on clearly all bloody week has gone out the window. Brendan Rodgers has to rethink. How does he find the balance then between attacking and trying to get back in the game, but also not leaving those spaces in behind? Arsenal's game plan then becomes easy. We've become so used to soaking up pressure under Mikel Arteta and trying to spring surprises in the transition. It would have been perfect for us. But in games like that, you have to get the first goal. And sometimes it won't be your night. But when opportunities like that present themselves, you only have yourselves to blame. And the thing is with this game as well, when we got to around about the, I'd say probably about the 70, 70 minute mark, would I say? Yeah, Vardy scored on the 80th. So around about the 70, 75 minute mark, no word of a lie, I sent a text to a mate of mine and I said, it's not our night tonight. Let's get the point and we move on. Let's keep it tight. Let's defend well. Let's back off Leicester City a little bit now. Getting into that last sort of 15-minute period. 
It's not, we're not getting anywhere. We're not making opportunities. I think it took us until the 67th, 68th minute to even have an attempt at goal in the second half. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I, I admit, I started to think like that. I thought, let's defend properly. It's not been our night. Creativity is still an issue. We all knew that issue existed before. It wasn't going to be solved overnight. We take the point against one of the sides who narrowly missed out on the top four last season and we move on. And we move on. But we were incapable of doing that. We were incapable of keeping that clean sheet and and moving on. Just in time says, hey, Harry, too much going back and side to side. That only works if you have some type of creative players on the field. Agreed. It's only if you have players with that ability to, to use some brain and some invention to play the kind of pass that opens people up to, you know, or, or, or a bit of individual brilliance. But we're not seeing that individual brilliance from anyone at the moment. We're not seeing that creation. We're not seeing that invention we're not seeing any of that stuff. We're seeing a very robotic Arsenal side. Dare I say, it's a bit like an Unai Emery side at times. It hasn't always been like that. And I've got to say, you know, and I, and I wasn't a fan of Unai Emery. I am a fan of Mikel Arteta, so I'm not going to compare the two directly. But that that thought does cross your mind, doesn't it, when you watch a performance like that? Spectrum says, the 11 was great. But like you said, the game plan just didn't allow us creative freedom. Agreed. Um, totally agreed. Uh, let's pick up some more of your comments. Apologies if I miss some of those. There are loads and loads coming through. Over 300 of you watching us at the moment, which is amazing. Um, so a massive, massive thank you. Um, let me just check in on the likes. How are we doing on the likes at the moment? Uh, let's have a quick look. My phone's taking an age to load up. Standard procedure when you actually want it to load, it doesn't. Uh, let's see what we got here. Just 57 likes. Guys, there's over 300 of you watching across the multiple platforms. And we've only got 57 likes. So please, please smash that like button. And if you haven't already, please, please do subscribe to the channel. Help us reach that magical 10K mark. We're getting ever closer, but we still need a bit of a push. So please smash the like button, smash the subscribe button too. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Gino Corleone says, Arteta isn't an experienced manager. What? Isn't an experienced manager, but I'm not sure what that bit says. And keeps Ozil out of the creativity zone. I mean, what do you expect? Just just write that comment again, mate, just so I pick it up properly, because I feel like I've missed the key part of it, because I don't understand the spelling. Uh, but just, uh, yeah, if you're going back to Ozil, I can't help but agree with you. You know, some people have got different opinions. Others saying that they don't want Ozil in. They don't want to go back to the past. You know, it's... Um, Mad JZO says, forget about Ozil. Tired of hearing about this guy. Not happening. Move on. But it is very hard to move on, isn't it? When you see the same issues occurring over and over again. Jake Watson TV says, evening. Jake's a Leicester man. Jake... Um, congratulations on your win, mate. Jake's a top lad. You can catch him on TalkSport. Um, and I know he's uh, he's pulling my leg here and he's having a bit of a wind-up. But uh, congratulations to you, Jake. I can be gracious in defeat. Um, you know, you're a Leicester fan. I know it's been a difficult life for you. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, good evening to you too, mate. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Stephen Williams says, Arteta, go back to City. And put cones out for Pep, you clueless manager. People turning on the manager already. I don't agree with what he did tonight. I don't agree with the, the approach tonight. I feel like that's a bit harsh at this stage, though. You know, we all knew when he came in that this was a massive, massive job. And we all knew that it was going to take time. I think, in a way, Mikel Arteta going and winning the FA Cup the way he did has kind of accelerated the expectations of the Arsenal fan base. And now... He's going to be under increased pressure when actually in terms of when you take sort of when you take the emotion out of it, when you come away from the heat and you look back, actually, we're probably about where we should be in terms of progressing. But people ain't going to see it like that. You know, we've already lost three games in the Premier League, which obviously doesn't read well. And, um, you know, it is frustrating but when you look at the games we've lost, we've lost at Liverpool, we've lost at City, and now we've lost against Leicester. They're by no means against sides that 
we have rights to be beaten, I guess. And that's not an excuse, but it should be considered. It should be remembered when assessing where Arsenal actually are and where we think they should be. Ahmed Ibrahim says, this club does this always when others drop points before. So predictable. Yeah, look, when you look at the teams, you know, Chelsea drop points, United drop points, Man City drop points, Spurs could drop points tomorrow. When you look at that, it, it does make it all the more frustrating. But the flip side of that is, well, the damage isn't irreparable. That's maybe the way you've got to see it. Glass half full rather than a glass half empty. Maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm applying too much logic. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Lathan Harris says, just came from Lee Gunner's channel. The comments on there saying Arteta out of his depth and that he should be sacked. Makes me ashamed of our fan base. I'm not going to say anything about someone else's channel. Um, but if you've seen some of my comments on Twitter with that individual, then you know, you'll know you know that I think some of it is a little bit reactionary, a little bit over the top. Um, that's not to say that he's responsible for what the people in the comments are saying. But um, yeah, look, I, I think anyone who's saying that he should be out, anyone that's saying he should be sacked at this point is um, is uh, acting out of line, in my opinion, is acting a little bit ridiculously. But having said that, I did question Unai Emery very, very on in his Arsenal tenure. And so I'm not against people asking questions about Mikel Arteta, people asking questions about his approach, but calling for him to be sacked now, I think is a little bit harsh. I really do. Uh, Herschel says that Ceballos was so poor. Yeah, he really, really was. Um, really, really was. I thought he was terrible. Um, Damo Jedi 77 says some dumb decisions being made by the manager. Francis Ginedu says, imagine David Lewis being our number 10. Definitely that was Arteta's fault. Yeah, I mean, the fact that any time we created anything, it was coming from one of David Lewis's long diagonal passes that is worrying that is a concern you know it does highlight a lack of creativity in the rest of the side it really really does and I think that as much as some people criticize David Lewis actually when you look at the role he played tonight up until he got injured not only was he defensively sound but he was our main sort of creative force you got to be grateful for the fact that we have him at times because he does bring that to the game and that is something that you could argue not many centre-backs in world football bring, not to that level anyway, not that ability to look up, spot someone on the left-hand side and ping a you know, 50, 60-yard pass out to the flank and such an accurate one as well. So, yeah, look, it's frustrating that David Lewis is is kind of having to be the, the, the main creative outlet at times. He certainly was tonight anyway. But, uh, you know, when people give him a hard time, I thought tonight he defended well. And he did that very well as well. So maybe um, we should cut him some slack. And I do think Arsenal were significantly weaker once he left the pitch as well. Uh, let's see what we got here. Sue L says, you either buy a creative player in the summer window or you make the most out of Mesa Ozil until you can get his replacement in January. Yeah, agreed. Um, Jay Percy, he's got a slightly different view. He says, no one to blame tonight, but the players, no bottle. Again, a fair view to have. Um, you know, you could argue that maybe it wasn't totally down to the system. Look, I don't think that I said it was totally down to the system, but I do think when I looked at the team, I was really, really encouraged by the personnel, by the names on the sheet. And I kind of in my head had built it up to be this kind of 4-3-3. And when we were defending, Xhaka would drop back deeper. But I kept speaking about Xhaka playing a hybrid role between a kind of left centre-back. And if you watch the get the video I did maybe a week ago now, where it was titled, Where Does Thomas Partey Fit In? I spoke a lot about that at length. But I didn't expect Granit Xhaka to still be taking up that position when Arsenal were in possession. Now, I know it's part of the plan to get Tierney up the flank and to get Bellerin up the other side as well. But it just didn't work for me, man. It just really, really didn't work for me because then you've got an over-reliance on the flank. You don't have the ability to change it up, to switch it up, to then try and divert the traffic infield. And it don't matter how many times you get into wide positions, 
if you've only got one centre forward in Alexander Lacazette and you're putting balls into the penalty area, well, that is what the likes of Johnny Evans eat for breakfast. That's what Johnny Evans wants. Johnny Evans don't want you to run at him. Johnny Evans don't want you to be played in behind him. Johnny Evans wants to sit on the edge of his six-yard box and head clear crosses all day long. He'll do that with his eyes closed, as will many defenders in the Premier League. And that's why this one-dimensional approach that Mikel Arteta's Arsenal so clearly have is proving problematic. Um, Tofa says, hit the likes. Yeah, please, guys, hit the like button if you haven't already. Um, hopefully, since my last uh, reminder, we've uh, we've gone up in the likes count. I'm not going to bother checking, but um, please do smash that like button if you haven't already. And please also uh, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Help us push towards that goal of 10K. Let's continue taking some of your live comments. <laughs> Nimsy Lot is going in on Mikel Arteta. He's called him a load of names. Um, let's see what else we've got. Osteoman74 says, We are playing worse football under Arteta than under Emery. A lot of them are, no, uh, are not good enough. Um, Gino says, What is the style Arteta is trying to play? This, this is where I'm a little bit lost. Because... You know, we watched him play quite a defensive style when he first came in. We've seen it kind of for a while now. And we've always been of the of the viewpoint that, you know, when he gets the midfield he wants, we're going to see him change it. We're going to see him be a little bit more expansive. We're going to see him be a little bit more attack-minded. We're going to see a back line of four. And then we're going to see Arsenal control the game in the middle of the park with the likes of Xhaka, Ceballos, Partey, etc., etc., but Partey's come into the side and we're still not seeing that. We still saw a very, very negative approach. Is that because Mikel Arteta was wary of Leicester more than he may be wary of of some of, and no disrespect to the likes of Sheffield United or, or the Burnleys and people like that when they come to the Emirates? I don't know. Only time will tell. And when those games come along, we'll be able to see if that is indeed the issue. But I felt like with a couple of really difficult games coming up in the Premier League that this was one we really really needed to win and and again that just amplifies and, and in, increases the disappointment doesn't it Lathan Harris says uh, Laka legit missed so many chances we could have been three up in the first half that's what lost us this game not Arteta Rahil says I love Arteta but questions now need to be asked lots of criticism for um Alexander Lacazette in the chat, and understandably so. He did miss some really, really good chances. Or the best chance, I would say. I don't think he missed many more that I would have expected him to score, let's put it that way. But he did miss the chance. But, as I said earlier on, got to remember that he had, in my view, a perfectly legitimate goal ruled out as well. And if that goes in, perhaps we're talking about a completely different outcome. If that goes in, perhaps we're talking about an impressive start to the season in terms of goals from Alexander Lacazette. So these fine margins, you know, they're very easily forgotten, but they shouldn't always be. And I guess in the cold light of day, you'll probably look back on it and and be a little bit more sympathetic towards the situation. I think I probably will tomorrow, but right now it's still pretty raw. Quick reminder gives me a good opportunity actually to remind you guys that join us tomorrow night at UK time. That is Monday, 9 p.m. where Adrian Clark is back on the show. Adrian will be alongside me and we will be discussing uh, this uh, this game against Leicester City. Adrian was, of course, working for the club this evening on their official commentary. So um, looking forward to hearing from Adrian. And of course, he does the breakdown show as well. So always uh Keeping a keen eye on the tactical side of the game is Adrian. Uh, what else have we got here? Lots and lots of your comments coming through. Uh, I'm just going to pick out a few more random ones uh, before we lock it off for the night. Because to be quite honest, I don't want to keep talking about this game. It's, it's depressing. Um, what else have we got? Let me see. RW says, do you think that Mikel is overcomplicating things? Thing? And needs to stick to the basics. It's hard to say because like, a lot of people say, you know, you should keep things simple. And to a degree, I I kind of agree with that in some instances. But football is a lot more tactical than I think the average fan realises. And we often, you know, sit here and we, we criticise managers and stuff. But 
there is a, a method to what they're doing there's a reason and there's a logic just because they don't always explain it to the public doesn't mean that there isn't one but i do feel like some some of the the elements like playing your center forward in a center forwards position you know that then when you start to see things like that then you're going to ask questions i do think Aubameyang takes that chance i do think arsenal probably create more opportunities in the game if Aubameyang is in that position instead of Lacazette on the night but it is worth saying i don't think Aubameyang was necessarily at the races tonight either ashiji says this team now has has a error but desperately lacks a burkamp and again, it goes back to this point. You know, I, I've spoken at length about Mesut Ozil in recent weeks, and I don't want to keep going on and on about it. Um, but even if he was available, even if he had been registered, even if Mikel Arteta decided that he was worth being part of the squad, where does he fit in this system? Because this system just doesn't accommodate that kind of player. And so it seems like this lack of creativity is probably a bit of a systemic issue as well as a personnel issue. And then you ask yourself the question of, you can have this creative player, you could have Mesut Ozil available, but where does he fit without Mikel Arteta changing a whole load of things around, which is shown that at this point, despite bringing Thomas Partey in, he's not willing to do. Nadine Pierre says, I'll judge Arteta at the end of next season. Once he's gotten rid of the Deadwood and hopefully can bring in a higher calibre of player. I just hope we're not relegated before that time. I don't think there's any danger of that. Um, I think we'll be fine um, in terms of uh, surviving in the division. Uh, Mr. Someone Gamer says, to be fair, Luis's passes were great, but our attackers didn't finish their dinner. Also, you can see the difference when he was subbed off. Yeah, um, I thought we were significantly weaker. Um, when David Lewis went off, we didn't look as comfortable in the back line um, and we were struggling to progress the ball into those midfield areas and beyond once he left the pitch. I completely agree with that. And I guess it serves as a bit of a reminder to those that constantly poke fun at David Lewis and say he's not good enough and why is he in the team? You know, th that was a prime example of why David Lewis is valued. Once he went off, the leadership from the back line completely disappeared and Arsenal's ability to progress the ball completely evaded them too. Miles Muncy is a Leicester fan. He says, as a Leicester fan, can we have Saka? Cheers. No, you can't, mate. <laughs> but thank you uh, for tuning in. Be sure to hit the like button and hit the subscribe button too because we do talk about non-Arsenal related stuff from time to time too. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Um, lots of people commenting on the style of play. Uh, Yawn Football FC, sack him. Alok Chowdhury says, boring, boring football. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, um, I, I can't hand on heart sit here and say that I think this is the, the football that Mikel Arteta wants to play. I feel like, rightly or wrongly, he feels that he can't go anywhere else with this team at the moment without becoming fragile defensively again. But at what point has he got to say, I've got to be brave here, I've got to change it? He never seems to change it. It's always that back three, that negative back three, and then the midfielder unable to keep possession and to progress the ball, and then we rely on going out on the flanks. Like Anyone who's watched Mikel Arteta's Arsenal knows how to nullify him, and that's the problem. And in games where you take the one or two opportunities that come along and you stay defensively switched on for the entirety, you'll get away with that. But in games like tonight, when you don't take the chances and then you fall asleep defensively, then you're going to end up with egg on your face. Uh, but you never see that, that ability in this Arsenal side to switch it up, to change it up, to, you know, to become more expansive, more progressive. And that's the worry for me. Tazel thinks, uh, I don't think our front three take enough responsibility and create anything by themselves. Need more from them. I think that's a fantastic point. You know, Liverpool ran away with the Premier League title last season with a midfield of Jordan Henderson, Jorginho Wijnaldum. And you wouldn't look at either of those players and say, oh, they're particularly creative. You'd argue that their fullbacks were. But Salah, Firmino and Mane, they make a hell of a lot of opportunities for themselves 
not just individually, but by linking up as a front three. And Arsenal's front three are on just completely different pages. And you don't know who the front three is going to be from week to week, which is probably another issue. Sometimes, you know, the only constant is Aubameyang. Sometimes Pepe plays. Sometimes Saka plays. Sometimes Enketia plays. Sometimes we even bloody see Willian playing as a centre-forward. So there, there is no continuity at the moment with Arsenal's front three. How are they supposed to develop and create a relationship and an understanding? You know, I didn't play football at Premier League level, obviously. But when I played football, I know that I developed relationships with players as a forward. Players who I played with week in, week out. We, were only, we knew what runs each other was going to make. We knew where the player wanted the ball. You knew whether they wanted to receive it in front of them, in behind the defender, or if it was a player who was better suited to having it at his feet. But there's a lack of coherence in this Arsenal front line as well. And that's a great point, Azel, because people will often point at the midfield and, and say, you know, yeah, we're not creating enough. But great players and good top players, they create stuff for themselves too. And we're not seeing midfield creativity and we're not seeing creativity uh, in terms of those guys creating their own opportunities as well. So lots and lots of issues, lots and lots of things to think about. Um, really disappointing defeat. Haven't um, watched any post-match interviews because I came straight on here. Um, I will be checking all of that out. Um, I haven't watched the press conferences, etc., etc., And I haven't calmed down yet, really, in truth. Um, but thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Again, just a quick reminder before I go, don't forget to smash the like button if you haven't already. And subscribe now if you haven't already as well. We're closing in on 10K. Love to get there sooner rather than later. So I think we're about 100 subs away. So please hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and we're going to be back like i said tomorrow night monday night 9 p.m uk time adrian clark is back on the podcast adrian will be joining me for a chat and we'll be looking back at this uh, really frustrating defeat um and if you want to get your questions into adrian as well keep an eye on our youtube community page because i'll be putting a post there in the morning and you'll have until the end of the day to get your questions in there we'll pick out some of the best ones and put them to adrian um before the show ends Right, that brings me to the end of uh, this edition of the podcast. Um, try not to let it get you too down, guys. I know it's not always easy, but um, this is Arsenal. We should be used to it by now. It's been a, a difficult few seasons. And, um, you know, let's keep the faith that we're back on track, that we're going back in the right direction. But as I've said to you guys time and time again, there will be bumps in the road. We will have difficulties we will have setbacks it will feel at times that like we're taking one step forward two steps back that's just the way it is um the premier league is crazy this season it's been so unpredictable anybody can beat anybody and although i'm annoyed i'm pissed off i'm frustrated i'm disappointed we didn't lose to a relegation candidate this evening we lost to a side that narrowly missed out on the top floor uh, top four top floor uh, last season who executed a game plan this evening really really well we didn't have much in response i totally accept that and i've already told you guys what i think about the game and, and some of the decisions that the boss made but we move on we move on um focus on dundalk now in the europa league and then next weekend's premier league fixture right that brings us to the end of this live edition of the podcast we'll be back very very soon until then take care good night listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.